What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as always, is Ben Fisher. Ben, how are you? Oh, man, dude. It's another fun day in the United States of America, a perfect country where nothing goes wrong. This is episode 29, <laughs> and uh, yeah, today we're talking about the... This is our Zendikar Rising format for well uh, episode, where we kind of go over everything we loved, didn't love, and everything in between with uh, Zendikar Rising. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, uh, this would normally be where we plug our sponsor, but unfortunately we no longer have a sponsor. So a little disappointing on that front, but you know, more on that to come, I suppose. Yeah, uh, we still like MTGA Zone as a place where you can go and get magic content, but we are no longer sponsored by them. So you know, MTG Goldfish, Channel Fireball, uh, you know, maybe maybe hit us up, see what's up with that. Card but, Kingdom, Card yeah, Sphere. See, see what's going on out there, people. Uh, Ultimate Guard, uh, you know, got anything uh, Ultra Pro <laughs> come our way. Anyway, yeah. Um, that being said, we're now primarily sponsored by you, the listener, over at our Patreon. Yeah, so you can check us out on patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod if you want to see what is going on over there. It's very, Patreon makes it very easy for people to get involved over there. It's, we have our tier set up on a monthly basis, so you'd pay for the month. Uh, if you don't want to pay the second month, you just cancel your subscription and you won't get charged. Um, if you want to up, upgrade a tier, it'll charge you the difference, so you don't have to pay like double or anything like that. Uh, and we have, like I said, a few different tiers. I think we have five tiers now at this point, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff, different stickers access to show notes and things like that we also have a for our highest tier there's a a bulk building bonanza as we've come to call it where ben will uh sit down and and to a lesser extent myself uh sit down chat with you about what kind of chaff you want to see thrown in a casual constructed deck we'll build it we'll ship it to you and uh that's just a funny fun way for us to kind of interface with with you guys a little bit more yeah the first one is is out and on its way uh so look forward to that and for other people that are interested, uh, like we said, because now we don't have a, an official sponsor, any little bit helps, even just $2 a month at our lowest tier. Uh, we really appreciate it. And obviously, we appreciate all of you listening anyway. This is, e- even now, I, it's nice to take a step back and think like, whoa, <laughs> people are, are listening to this, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, if you want to get involved outside of the Patreon, uh, you can do that by going to our Discord. Our Discord has been pretty busy lately, uh, which is mm-hmm. nice to see. And the link to the Discord is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. So you can check that out in either of those two locations for that. Uh, another just small note as as it pertains to the, the sponsorship with MTGA Zone, our podcast episodes will no longer be getting posted there. So if you go to MTGA Zone for the podcast, you're probably not listening to this right now. But if you don't, <laughs> uh, if, if you somehow are listening to this and you usually catch it on, on MTGA Zone, probably I would suggest either go right to our, our website, uh, draftchaff.podbean.com to get the episodes there. They release every Friday at noon or you can get it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, really. It's a little bit delayed, though. So so the episode drops on Podbean at Fridays at noon EST and a little bit later than that on all the other platforms. First up, we've got a crack a giraffe type thing. Uh, this one, we wanted to finish off Zendikar Rising with one last Zendikar Rising crack a giraffe. We figured let's go back to the basics. A good pack one, pick one. At this point, we've done so many Zendikar Rising drafts. Uh, we can kind of fly through this, right? Let's just start it off. First comment out of the pack is an into the Royal, which is already off to a good start. I'm already yep. pretty happy with that, no matter what else we see. But maybe we can get a little bit better. We see a sneaking guide, which I've actually gone a lot up on. I'm a big fan of sneaking guide. I've played up to three in my aggressive decks. Spare Supplies, Seagate Banneret, Kazandu Nectar Pot, Namara Skydancer, Smite the Monstrous, Blood Beckoning, Highborn Vampire, Fisher Wizard are our commons. Yeah, what do you want out of these? Still on to Into the Royal. I, I like Blood Beckoning too, but, but I really want to be in a specific deck before I start grabbing those. Into the Royal is just great in any blue deck. And I agree with you on the sneaking guide. I've gone up on it as well. I think the red-white decks have gotten a little bit better than uh, than I, I first gave them credit for. So yeah. he's gone up a little bit, or it's, it's gone up a little bit in my book. But still on Into the Royal here. Yep, same. Our uncommons, we've got Skyclave Geopede. This is a common, right? Like, this, there's nothing uncommon about this. This thing is yeah. fine. You can spike sometimes with it if your opponent can't do anything about it. But nothing very impressive here. we got Journey to Oblivion. Uh, I think I would actually take this over into the Royal. Uh, I do like Journey. I think bit. I would too. And uh, Relic Amulet, which now this is a, a tough call between Relic Amulet, Journey, and into the Royal, to be honest. 
But um, let's take a look at our rare to add on, or, or should I say mythic rare, in Turn Timber Symbiosis. This is the, the DFC, the mythic. You can look at the top seven cards, you get a creature, and if it had CMC three or less, you put an additional three plus one plus one counters on it. Yeah, so this is a weird pick, honestly, because Relic Amulet's powerful, but you really need to be in the Wizards deck, or at least in a heavy instant sorcery deck for it to pull its weight. And yeah. I think first picking it isn't really where you want to get one. I, I would like to see one closer to like fourth pick third pick something mm. like that so i can kind of tell like oh people are passing this this deck is probably going to be open mm-hmm. turn timber symbiosis is an interesting card because while it's good i i actually don't know how good it is in this format i haven't gotten a chance to play too many of them and you know green unless you're going with the very low to the ground aggressive like red green decks which i've found to not be very good in the first place even when they are like the nuts versions of the decks mm-hmm if you're not in that deck, which is hope, hoping to basically kill the opponent before turn seven anyway, and not playing a whole lot of ramp, I, I don't know. How have you found turn timber symbiosis? Because I, I don't think it's actually that great. Yeah, I agree. So there's no real super big bomb cards that you'd really ever want to get with it. Like you said, a lot of these, uh, even though you get a lot of selection, but what's the realistic play pattern here? I like that it pays you off for getting a smaller creature if you happen to whiff on bigger stuff. But like... I don't know, maybe you get this and you get a Kazandu Stomper off of it, or you get, I don't know, a, a Skyclave Sentinel and you put some counters on it so it can attack. It's essentially the same as just casting one of those cards in the first place. So mm-hmm. uh, this does draw you a card and that is a powerful effect on the land and it can make it bigger. This essentially gets you a big threat in the late game. So it's strong, for sure. But I think I would actually take Relic Amulet here. I, mm. I agree. Uh, sometimes I think you might want to maybe see that blue red or blue green are going to be open first i found this fine in both of those i've also seen it played in a a blue black deck that has uh, heavy instants and sorceries Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it's excellent as a card really any blue deck can use this so i think it is a little better than journey to oblivion and that it's a repeatable damage effect sure and sometimes there, there are certain decks that just cannot beat this card uh i mean look how many x ones are in this pack right uh i count three one two three four uh, including the monoskite answer uh mm-hmm. yeah and then there's a lot of x2s in this format as well creatures tend to be small and relic amulet can go off relic amulet i think out of the, all these cards most feels like you're getting away with something when you have it go off that's fair. and uh that being said i, I believe relic amulet is the correct pick i would take turn timber it's a green mythic it's late in the format what else have i got to lose <laughs> that's fair the, actually it's funny you say that the last deck that i drafted was a blue green wizards deck that had two relic amulets and it was phenomenal uh that sounds awesome and i had yeah. them staggered too so i cast one on two and one on three and then i think i i had some kind of one dropper i made it might have played it on two with a two drop or something but yeah they were staggered right so one was ticked up before the other and uh mm. so i, I could just like had the choice to pick off one drops or two drops or three drops or whatever at basically any point now yeah, it's interesting sweet. how do you feel about taking relic amulet here and passing into the royal yeah it's strange if you take relic amulet you pass two very good actually a few very good cards for this this like blue red or blue green deck Turn Timber Symbiosis and into the Royal. I think you just kind of have to knock on wood and hope that the person to your left doesn't go like, oh boy, and into the Royal. Time to force blue-green wizards, <laughs> right? Yeah. And even then, you're only getting cut from one direction, and presumably you then take all the blue cards that sure. come your way, and most of the red or potentially green ones then too. So hopefully the person to your left gets the signal of that. I think I'm still on the Relic Amulet here, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty early to just say, like, I mean, you're taking an uncommon out of the pack, so there's there are a handful of cards that I would take over into the Royal just in a vacuum anyway, so it's not really saying that, like, ooh, they want to not be in blue. Yeah. And yeah. obviously signals from, from your first pick are, are kind of weak, but I was just curious what your thoughts were on that, because I would be... I, I, I would think I would try to take into the Royal and then wheel the amulet. Maybe that wouldn't happen, but I think mm. I would try to go that route out of just instinct in the first place. Maybe that's something I need to adjust. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the relics wheel very often. The axe wheels quite a bit, but sure. no one. <laughs> it's because people sleep on red white wizards. Just no respect. Or red white, uh, red white wizards. Now that's a deck. Red white <laughs> uh, equipment warrior aggro. I don't know. I, I think it could wheel. I don't think it's super likely. Uh, I don't see them wheel very often. If anything, sometimes I see the more narrow ones wheel. The cleric. I call it cleric vile. <laughs> no, it's but, uh, fine. I always get the mixed up. Yeah, sometimes I see Cleric Vile Wheel. But the other ones I, I tend to see, this one I think goes the highest. I 
think it's probably the correct pick here. That being said, I, like into the Royal is still like I don't know. Maybe you wind up in like a a different kind of blue deck where Relic Amulet isn't necessarily the best. Maybe a more creature based one. Maybe you wind up in like blue white party or something if that's what the seat you're supposed mm-hmm, to be in. Mm-hmm. And Relic Amulet wasn't going to do much for you anyway. Interesting. Well, that brings us to our Teferi Tibble. If you're new to the show, this is the section where we talk about our last week, kind of what went well, what went poorly. So Ben, why don't you kick us off with your Teferi? Sure thing. This is a little bit of a teaser, but we have a very special guest on the horizon. Yes, we do. Someone uh, someone that's coming. Uh, yes, we have another guest coming on the show. We had Marshall Sutcliffe on the show last time, for those that, that might not have known. So we've got, I mean, we set the bar pretty high. We, we probably shouldn't have done that. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot one there. Dude, total accident, though. I just reached out and he was very open to come on the show. So it was like... You know, it was one of those things where I reached out and I was just like, he's not going to answer me or he's not going to say yes or whatever. Like, he's a busy guy. But yeah. no, he was very, very, very cool and very willing to come on. Well, I'll say we reached out to someone else at, I'd say, about the same level of fame in the Magic community. And it turns out, also a very cool person was like, yep, sure, let's do it. Later this month, uh, I'm in. So uh, be on the lookout for that within the next month. We'll have recurring sp- pseudo spoilers as we did with, with Marshall <laughs> in the future episodes as well, leading up to that. Yeah. Keep an ear out for that, people. Uh, my table for this week, I am officially back to school. My winter break is over. Uh, no more breaks for a while. Uh, I think I have a three-day weekend for MLK Day coming up, but that's like, that, that's three days. Like, ugh. Uh, I'm used to the uh, the college idea of like a month-long winter yeah. break. That's so nice. And I told the high schoolers that I teach that, and they're like, no way, dude. You're lying. Like, we, we get off for a week and a half this year. Isn't that great? I was like, come on, get out of town. I, I can't can't do that. So uh, still readjusting to waking up early. I destroyed my sleep schedule over over my break. Uh, yeah, look, that sounds I, like I, you. I got to be at home and play magic and stay up until 2 a.m. That's the kind of thing I enjoy. So got to readjust to that, but I'm starting to get back into the, uh, the swing of things. How about you? Yeah, so my Teferi, I have actually like a kind of a big Teferi this week. It was, it was a very impactful week from for me. First, I got a new job, which is pretty awesome. It's, uh, Woo! Yeah! <laughs> yeah, it's something that I was... I wanted to get a soundboard to like... Oh, we plug, should do that. But... Yeah, we could look into that. Um, but I, I, yeah, so I got a new job. It's very exciting, but also very hectic because that means I'm leaving my current job. And mm-hmm. my current job is my first job out of college. So kind of getting into something new with people that I don't quite know is a little bit daunting, but, and I, I think I also have a bit of imposter syndrome, but I stumbled on a quote recently that was like, I'm paraphrasing, but basically it was like, don't, don't worry about not knowing enough when you're trying to make a change. Growth happens when you don't know, mm-hmm. just like a good thing to not get bogged down in. Like when you're comfortable, that probably means you're not growing very much. So you're saying I should, you know, just start doing things I've never done before to grow, eating trash out of dumpsters. Uh, yeah. Cliff diving. Precisely. Uh, Things like this, right? Yeah. uh, Step into molten magma with no protection of any kind. Sounds like like a learning experience for everyone. (laughs) I would think so. Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's a good mindset to have. Yeah, I thought so. But so that means I have I have a week and a half from our recording here before I before I say goodbye to my current company. Um, So I have kind of a three day weekend on MLK weekend as well and then i start right after that at the new place so uh, here's hoping that transition is smooth and that i don't leave all my team hanging because there's a lot to um kind of wrap up that's my t- my tibble actually is that there's a lot of stuff i've got to wrap up at my current job so i you know leave them leave my team in in a good spot there's a lot of stuff i've been working on kind of siloed and uh i don't want to leave them with questions on all the stuff that i built yeah fair um, but the other half of my Teferi is that I also started working out and eating better and drinking water. Did you know drinking water is good for you? Like, what? I know. Wait, it's, wait, it's, like in, instead of coffee, you've replaced that with water? Well, not entirely. I, I have, so I'm, I'm on this, this like, I don't want to call it a diet because it, it doesn't restrict what I can eat at all, but it's mm-hmm. more of an eating plan and it involves a lot of in, intermittent fasting. So basically I don't eat until afternoon every day. Uh, mm-hmm. so like my, my eating window is between noon and 11 PM and then. I, I don't eat when it like while I'm sleeping and then again until afternoon. Uh, hold on. Can we get a fact checker on that? Uh, sleep eating at, at Zach's house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so, you know, that's uh, that's been interesting. It's It's been nice to do, but it, it's been fun and I've been feeling a lot better. But with the water thing, I started drinking more water because it's something that I frequently we talked about this before. Like I drink coffee almost entirely throughout the day mm-hmm. and coffee's a diuretic so you you actually get more dehydrated drinking it than than if you weren't to drink it 
so I started, I have an app now that like pings me every hour basically. And it's like, Hey, you need a drink, uh, nice. like, go get water. So it's been good, but I've been feeling a lot better with it, uh, since I've been doing that. So that's, that's great. Sweet. So we have a listener question of the week and this week it's from Wolverine. Wolverine asks, what would be your advice on playing around possible counter spells? If I'm playing against a blue deck and my opponent is constantly leaving up two blue mana, how should I play it? In what situations would I should I just play a spell to get it out of their hand? And then a uh, little shout out to myself. Uh, Wolverine also said, also, Zach, how often have you or will you bluff a counter spell even if you don't have one in your hand while playing a control deck? And I think I didn't answer him on the Discord on purpose so we could talk about it on the show. Yeah, uh, this is actually a great question for us specifically because you have a lot of experience countering spells and I have a lot of experience uh, destroying dirty control players. So I think we get two very good perspectives on how to how to answer this, right? Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, I don't take <laughs> offense to that because I'm a very clean, fair control player. Okay, okay. I just don't let you play the game at all. So you know right up front that you don't get to cast your stuff, you're not going to get to play any cards... And then you're fine, right? That's that's what fair, clean control players do. I do appreciate it when the control player takes over fast enough that I know the game is ended and doesn't kind of waffle and like top deck for a few turns and then top deck it to fairy. It's like, come on, if you're going to win, just tell me so I can concede. <laughs> Get to the yeah, next it's one, like, right? that's why whenever I play tournaments, I sit down and I go, hi, I'm Zach. It's nice to play you. You won't get to play magic this round. <laughs> <laughs> so... As for playing around counter spells, uh, this is something that I've got quite a bit of experience with. Uh, and now, first of all, in limited counter spells are a lot worse than in constructed. They yes. don't happen that often. Uh, there's usually only one or two per set, and often they're bad. Uh, sometimes they cost four mana, which is just terrible. Even sometimes the three mana ones are unplayable, depending on the speed of the set. That being said, you can still have counter spells in your limited decks, and they can be pretty good. Um, Every once in a while, Essence Scatter shows up. That's probably one of the better ones for uh, limited magic. Negate also sometimes makes it into people's decks, but that's not as good. The yeah, problem with counter yeah, the, the problem with counter spells and limited is if your opponent knows to play around it, then you've just wasted an entire turn if you don't have something else to use uh, from your hand at instant speed. Although in constructed, that effect is mitigated by control decks playing instant speed draw spells or flash threats or other things like that. Mm -hmm. So as for playing around counterspells, I think it's really worth it to know the counterspells that are in the format. So for example, uh, if there's a counterspell that makes you pay one additional mana, uh, a mana tithe effect, as you could say, or uh, I'm trying to think of ones that did that recently. I don't know, any counterspell that makes you just pay one extra or uh, a certain amount extra, uh, maybe consider playing your land first before you cast a spell that turn if you're going to be playing a spell that would then get countered by that. Or, uh, alternatively, you can, if you say, suspect your opponent left up one of the blue and they have that certain spell, and you are untapping with five lands, you play your sixth, and you have two three drops, maybe play the one that you really want to resolve first, uh, and then play the less important one after. There is uh, now kind of the opposite effect of that if the counter is a hard counter, uh, one that you don't have to pay any mana for. So imagine the same scenario. One of the blue, you just untap, play your sixth land, and you have two creatures, you suspect that they have an essence scatter in hand, a hard creature counter. In that case, you want to play your worst creature first because maybe your opponent is just going to take that opportunity to counter it and say, well, I want to get my guaranteed one for one. If they play that creature and then, you know, maybe pass with an instant trick up, it's really bad for me because then I just wasted two mana and I didn't affect the board that turn. Mm -hmm. so, uh, in that case, uh, you want to lead with your uh, weaker card in hopes that they counter it just trying to get the value out of their spell and then resolve your bigger threat while they're tapped out. So that is uh, uh, the two top heuristics, I would say, knowing when to play into a counter spell and when, when to uh, play around it. Uh, it depends on the counter specifically. So know the spells in the format that they could have at instant speed uh, and especially know the counter spells. That'll help a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like the way we've talked about combat tricks. It's very good to have an understanding of, and counter spells are a lot easier, as Ben mentioned. There, there are very few of them on a set-by-set -set basis, but understanding which counters are available for your opponent to even have is is, is pretty big information to have. To kind of answer the sec, because I think, Ben, you summed that up pretty great. I don't really have a whole lot to add to what you said. So to kind of sum up the second part of the question, how often have I or will I bluff a counterspell even if I don't have one? Honestly, pretty often. If Especially if I've already shown one to my opponent. Like, if, if this is game two and they've already seen that I have three or four different counterspells, I'll frequently leave up the mana 
to to counter uh you know one of their if i know it's a big turn and they're like they have a massive five drop that i can't beat and we're going into turn five i'll leave up three mana to to try to represent some kind of hard counter and in the hopes that they see that and will realize "Hmm, i've seen their three mana counter already i don't want to lose this five drop maybe i'll just play out a two drop and and you know pass a turn or something now i wouldn't say that it's great to just waste your mana like if you have a three drop to play and you can't play it on the opponent's turn probably just play your card uh, because getting that mana efficiency is way better than than potentially slowing your opponent down for a turn. And mm. the worst the worst part is obviously when they call your bluff and then you just don't have it. And then they're like, oh, it's free reign because now they know any of their future spells can't be countered either. Um, yeah. And most of the time, I would say as like a short, just a kind of concise, a concise answer to this. If you have other instant speed spells, always leave the mana up because you can you can spend it. Um, and especially if you're worried about them playing something you can't beat otherwise. If you don't have anything to play on their turn and you still don't have the counter, probably just play out your creatures in general. Bluffing counter spells can be pretty bad if you don't have some other play because you're wasting so much mana. It's not like a combat trick where you can bluff the combat trick, either not have it or not play it, and then just play something in your second main phase to use up that mana. If yeah. you if you pass if your opponent passes to you and you haven't been able to counter their stuff, and this happens even when you have the counter spell, if they don't play something that's counter worthy, because there's there's a real kind of mini game or a mind game to understanding which cards need to be countered which cards warrant a counter um i think newer control players will frequently just counter the first cards that their card is capable of countering and a lot of times that's not very good uh to do because you will need those for your bigger the bigger threats that that you can't beat otherwise Mm -hmm. kind of similar to removal where like spot removal on a on a vanilla 2-2 is pretty bad like you generally want to save those cards or those effects for for the bigger stuff that you have a hard time beating that's a great question, Wolverine. Thanks. Yeah, a good little discussion there. So today, our main topic, Zendikar Rising format farewell. Uh, so long, Zendikar Rising. You've been a lot of fun. This is our end of format show. Uh, we're going to look back at all the likes, dislikes, semi-likes, uh, and maybe some some nonsense in between, right? Likes, uh, dislikes, so, comments, and subscribes. Oh, my. Oh, you pulled it this time. Man, you beat me to it, dude. <laughs> uh, so, as with our format and review shows we're gonna start with the chaffee awards yay Our, man we should have gotten a soundboard for this yeah we should have like yay the chaffees we'll have one for um, the time oh yeah for sure so uh these are our awards to the format other limited shows do this as well we are uh not too proud to admit that this is a great format for talking about some of the past likes and dislikes of a format so um let's get to our first chaffee uh, who, who's gonna win the chaffee for the most powerful card in the format so this one we agreed on pretty unanimously. I think the most powerful card in the Chaffee for most powerful card goes to Shatter Skull Smashing. Yeah, I'm on Shatter Skull Smashing here. I was trying to think like, what is the number one card that I want to see in my uh, like pack one, pick one? And there are a few. There's a lot of them that are up there, right? Um, Sublime Drana Epiphany is, was one that came up for me too. Drana is also very good. Sublime Epiphany, that's not in the set. What are talking about? Oh, wow, you're right. <laughs> You've been playing too much cube, dude. Yeah, I have. Drana is up there. I think uh, some of the other uh, flip cards, Amaria's Call is up there for sure. But I think between all these other huge things, I think Shatter Skull Smashing is still my, my number one wish to open. It's just so good. It's a removal spell. It kills two creatures. Uh, it can kill creatures of any size. It scales with the game. And if all else fails, you can just play it as a land. If you are super mana screwed, it even makes your opening hands better if you draw it. So... I don't know. Shadow Skull Smashing, I think, just overround makes any deck more better than any other card. Yikes. Okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's almost as bad as me thinking Sublime Epiphany is still in this format. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's kind of hard to beat when it's a, a spell that can kill two different things. It like you know it serves a the purpose of two cards in one in that way. It's also a mm -hmm. land, so it's kind of three cards in one and. This is like the epitome of the MDFC to me in a limited setting. Yeah. A lot of games in this format also involve relatively few creatures on the board. I'm sure everyone's going to raise their torches and be like, I've had games that stall out. And yes, that's true. Have you uh, met sometimes... our Lord and Savior Scoot Swarm? <laughs> yeah. So sometimes the, uh, the, the swarm goes pretty wide. But I found that oftentimes, especially in the more aggressive decks, there's usually only between two to four creatures on each side of the battlefield at any time. So killing half of your opponent's board is usually pretty good. If the board is flooded out then, 
uh, there's a good chance you can kill whatever pesky things are causing that flood. Maybe the attended healer or uh, whatever else it could be. Definitely. Next up, we have the Chaffee Award for most annoying card. And surprise, surprise, Ben, what did you pick for most annoying card? It's Ruin Crab. This thing, oh man, like it, it, it belongs in this format. It, I'm happy it's here. I'm glad it exists, but I still hate to see it because I look at my hand and I'm like, all right, do I have my kill spells in hand? Nope. Well, then I'm looking forward to seeing them get milled over every turn because I don't know, sometimes even though I know that statistically, it, there's not actually a big difference that Ruin Crab makes until you're dead and have zero cards in the library. This uh, is kind of an indicator that like, oh, well, now they're going to have a Soaring Thought Thief on turn two. And then it's just, it's, that's just game over for a lot of decks. Yeah, that's true. I couldn't in, in good conscience put Ruin Crab on here as a mill player at heart myself. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, my pick for most annoying card, this set goes to Zarathsan the Trickster. And my mm. reasoning is, I know it's a rare, but I have found myself oh, for some reason always playing around this card, probably in situations <laughs> where it's like not actually like statistically, it's not, not a good thing to be doing. Yeah. But I will play, I assume every blue black player has this card for some reason, and I will play around it as such. And Seems like they always do. <laughs> it's it's true. Yeah. I, I think every, like, I'm pretty sure if you draft blue black in this format, they just slip a Zarathon into your pool at the end of the draft. But no, I, I I don't know. It's just annoying that it's like, essentially, if it hits you, you win the game, kind of. Like, it's not exactly yeah. that, but it's pretty close to that. And it's up there in the most powerful cards in the set, for sure yeah it's just i don't know i just find that really annoying it's it kind of reminds me and it's not like don't get me wrong it's not really anywhere near this powerful but it kind of reminds me of the god eternals from from war of the spark like just one of those cards it's like what am i supposed to do with this mm -hmm. like even if i kill it unless i can kill it the second it's attacking it's getting its value in and like it's still yeah. two for wanting me like dodges sorcery speed removal really well yeah yep and then worst case scenario you can just flash it in so just a flash right, yeah before right you don't even yeah you yep. don't even need to do its effect yeah. yeah. So the Chaffee for the best jank in the set, the the dumbest but best combo uh, that I could find, my personal favorite, my favorite thing to be doing in this format. Likewise. Attended healer and core celebrant. And then toss a relic vial in there and you've just got, oh man, that is a great, that is a beautiful board state. Oh yeah. Can't, can't beat it. I mean, you can beat it, but you can't beat it. You know, it's, it's very beautiful but it's exactly what i want to be doing toss in a, like a marauding blight priest too and it's just off to the races oh yeah maybe some blood beckonings to make sure you can get all the pieces back when oh, they yeah. inevitably try to kill them oh yeah core celebrant plus attended healer is just so much fun uh i may have snuck that into the cube <laughs> i'm i'm all with it our chaffy award for chaffiest chaff is uh one of our favorites here and it's kind of a split tie i guess Ben Ben actually picked two two options for this one, but my vote goes to Wayward Guide Beast. This card is just garbage. Like, it's so bad. It doesn't. Nobody in Limited wants to play it. Nobody in Constructed wants to play it. Like, why did they print this card? I will say, I did once have an opponent play Wayward Guide Beast against me in Limited, uh, and actually attack me with it. And I I was like, all right, well. I guess I'll let them hit me with it because I'm not sure they know the consequences of their actions that they're about to experience. Uh, I played a normal game where I hit my land drops. Uh, they did not. And I won that game. Yeah, of course. Difficult. That's the thing. It's a <laughs> it was, bad card. It was not difficult. They did. They got me down to like eight life at one sure point. Sure they did, but was, you still won. What does it matter? Yeah, yeah. It was. I was like, wow, look at this little guy go. <laughs> Will he go <laughs> all, all the, the way? All the way. <laughs> yeah, no. I Like, I just wasn't like i had like a like like three threes out and i just wouldn't block it it's like if this yeah. is your plan absolutely i think this is probably the chaff this is one of my picks for chaffiest chaff not only because you just look at it and it's like this is this is pretty bad it actively harms you for playing yes like this isn't like some cards like scale the heights for example is pretty big chaff right yeah. but i don't know you could double trigger landfall sometimes yeah. that has uses i think i'd put that in a deck before i put wayward guide beast in a deck <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even like like some of the cards we're used to seeing that have these drawbacks on them are like like the big demons, you know, where they, they're like massive creatures, like seven mana, seven sevens with flying and trample and all this other stuff. And then they're like, hey, if you have this on your on your side of the battlefield, you got to sack a creature or like take seven or something. Yeah. But but those things end the game. This is just a little like two two this, that that prevents you from playing your other cards. It's yeah, so this, stupid. This, this ends the game. All right. <laughs> just, just, uh, <laughs> just the wrong way. 
<laughs> yeah. My, uh, my other pick for Chaffiest Chaff, historic all-star Tuck Tuck Rubblefort, which single-handedly enables the uh, dual-caster mage neo-form uh, Seagate what, Stormcaller, Stormcaller combo. Yeah. Like, that, that, that deck is sweet, and I respect Tuck Tuck Rubblefort for that. However, um, it has not pulled its weight in Zendikar Rising Limited. That's fair. Our next Chaffy Award goes to Most Unexpected Chaff, and again, we have a tie. Yeah, so... I took this to be the card that I like. I looked for the biggest difference between my expected rating of the card and the actual rating of the card. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's actually a few that you could put here. Uh, I went with Grackmaw, Skyclave, Ravager. You could honestly put the Black Green Nissa here too, right? Because like Royal yeah. Eruption, Black Green Nissa. What do you take? Yeah, you're taking Royal Eruption, and that's yeah. a common over a Mythic too. Uh, yeah, that's that is pretty disappointing. That's I think. A fake- planeswalker for the set right yeah yeah that's where i went with the two i i i think i mean it's funny though because both the cards you mentioned as being disappointments here are are black green and i think that that kind of sums up the format to a degree but but i i took this to be like yeah what card was i most disappointed in from the beginning like where my my thoughts or expectations were at the beginning of the format compared to the end and and mm-hmm. yeah grackmaw was there i agree this is also right up there there are just the black green decks just didn't get there and the cards that were supposed to be payoffs for that deck also just didn't do it like i thought i was the first time i drafted black green i thought i was really getting away with something because i had a nissa in my deck and i played her and i was like wait a second what did she actually do (laughs) now she can she can be good there are situations where she's good but i i haven't seen many of them Mm -hmm. yeah weirdly enough i i uh i don't think this is nissa or grackmaw's fault per se like i think these cards are uh, these cards are sick on their own uh, like their the designs are both very cool. The Nissa with a, a passive landfall ability, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think the support for them was just so totally lacking that they are not in a vacuum chaff, but within the context of the set. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, there's a lot of commons and uncommons you take over both of these cards, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you want to dive down into the actual like chaff part of things, like the, neither of them are really seeing any constructed play as far as I'm aware. They're both, yeah, no. they're both pretty yeah but i agree their designs aren't weird or like bad or anything they have pretty cool pretty cool flavor pretty cool designs from like actual mechanical card perspectives but they just really didn't get the whole black green archetype as a whole together and we've talked about this before but there just there just wasn't enough support for the archetype unfortunately and the other when you when you contrast the, an archetype that's not supported enough with a handful like 10 different archetypes that are very supported that fall off really you can really feel that i guess we can just jump ahead to our most disappointing archetype chaffy and uh (laughs) kind of hand this one to black green as another consolation prize like black green counters is one of my favorite decks to play i Mm -hmm. am a black green mage at heart like i give give me a good black green deck in in a limited tournament and i will do horrifying things with it but like i i it's just naturally for my play style but Every once in a while, there's a format where it just doesn't get there. The, the mm-hmm. garbage like value pile just is not good enough. And this is one of them. Uh, it almost felt like you were de- playing a deck with zero synergy. Wait, yeah, which is weird because this is a super high synergy format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every once in a while, like I think the best thing you could be doing with black green, besides maybe spiking some of these rares or mythics that, that we mentioned, Iridescent Horn Beetle and Skyclave Shadow Cat were a, a pretty cool little combo uh, that you could used to just pump out some mm-hmm. uh, tokens and draw a bunch of cards and make a big shadow cat but even then that was really mana intensive and you're combining a an uncommon four drop and an uncommon five drop like yeah. compare that to some of the wizards uh, which were, were like you're getting payoffs at, at like two and three right mm-hmm. and at common occasionally the black green just did not really have a way to to get there with that and black green didn't really work very well as a party deck either there weren't really any synergies going on there you could yeah. throw together a mass mix of creatures but nothing really happened with it so uh, better luck next time black green counters you did not get there this time yeah it's kind of interesting because when they announced the the breakdown for the party th- sub themes like they gave us a list of like white is the is mostly you know what was it i guess warriors and clerics and blue was mostly wizards and green was just like all equal right it had a handful of everything to kind of be a supplemental color for all the other colors and then it had Mm -hmm. a bunch of beasts and things that weren't any of those archetypes or any of those those subtypes and i think makes sense yeah it, it does make sense but i think it really hurt by not having the thing it was trying to do really because in the the archetypes where it's supposed to kind of take a main 
main focus like red green or black black green it just didn't really do it that's true i think red green uh, is the runner-up for this most disappointing archetype uh brushfire elemental awesome name awesome flavor very strong card but just didn't really get there not unless you had the super hyper focused red green deck yeah yeah and i think that's that's fair to just point out real quick like of course we're, we're saying we're down on these archetypes but there are versions of the decks that do quite well uh it's just really hard to put them together for sure so shall we uh jump back up to the worst bad card to lose to as we have been gifted by limited resources per marshall sutcliffe who they they say they will no longer be doing this one on their show and marshall was gracious enough to allow us to include this on our format farewell yeah so for me worse the chaffee for worst bad card to lose to was strength of solidarity it's a card that's like arguably playable and i think can sometimes get there occasionally but it that's just a feels sorcery that puts counters on stuff equal it, to a party members right yeah and then you draw a card huh. like i just i don't know it just feels weird to lose to this for some reason like i've never seen it played in like a good situation or like where it actually like what it gets you like maybe two two counters and then you draw a card and it's like it's a fine card but i've never seen it cast i i don't <laughs> think i have either to be honest i would say my personal worst card to lose to was dauntless unity uh, every once in a while, I would, you know, be setting up. I, I think I'd have a great game plan. And look, I, I have guts. If my opponent attacks with like a bunch of creatures and it's a race, I'm not blocking. I'm not a coward. <laughs> I'm just going to take it. And if they have the trick, like so be it. Oftentimes they wouldn't be in like a colors that have like that kind of trick, right? They'd have like a little bit of white mana up and I'd be like, come on, what could they possibly have? And then they'd kick Dauntless Unity. And be like, oh god, I guess I'm dead. <laughs> there goes that fun race. Yeah, uh, I wanted to put I wanted to put Zulaport Duelist here, but Zulaport Duelist is actually just a good card. <laughs> it's not it's not like yeah. the worst bad card to lose to, but uh, yeah, I, I actually I have to take that back too. I have seen Strength of Solidarity cast against me. I lost to it once, and then I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm never gonna see this card again ever because yeah, it was dumb. They put it on I think a Canopy Bayloth that they gave Trample or something stupid. And I was just like, okay, uh, yeah. just, yep. Sounds about right. So next up is the Chaffee for pet card. And this is like our most, uh, most liked card basically uh, in the set. We have, I think a, I already know what yours is here. A similar, slightly different question coming or, or Chaffee award coming up. But yeah. my, my pet card was definitely ruined crab. Had to throw a little smiley face in the notes there for you. <laughs> um, it's just such a cool card. It's a throwback to Hedron Crab, which is awesome. I love Mill as a theme, which I feel like they generally... I mean, in the in the recent history, they've done a decent bit, but they hadn't done for quite a while in Limited. And it was nice to actually see that be a real deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, like, I kind of wish it had, like, a... There was, like, a fourth or, a, I guess, a fifth rarity between Uncommon and Rare that this could be slotted at. So it showed up a little bit less frequently than it does. But... Yeah, I, I really liked it, and I thought it was a cool include. Also, the alt alt art one is phenomenal. Oh yeah, it is. So mine is a uh, attended healer. Get it? Because like she has pets, she has pet cats. Oh jeez. Yeah. Okay. I love attended healer. I'm a fiend for value, and occasionally, if you get the life gain deck together, this is it. This is the best card in the life gain deck when it all comes together. This is the card you most want to curve a core celebrant into, mm-hmm. um, and something just about the ability to go super wide and just pump out a million tokens it feels like you're getting away with something big time and that's always a good sign to look for in limited cards that being said i gotta shout out my runner up here akiri Akiri fearless voyager probably the card that i have taken incorrectly the most number of times (laughs) Uh, like the the like i have consciously known that it was the wrong pick yet taken it anyway more than any other card in the set because look it's an equipment thing. It's red, white idiots with big old swords. <laughs> I'm always going to play that given the chance. As much as I love my value, I love killing my opponents more. And Akira gets it done. So kind of a runner up for this question or, or a follow up to this question, as it were. The Chaffee for creature you'd most want to have as a pet. Mm-hmm. Yours I probably could have guessed. The, the, yeah, the, this one makes sense for you. Yeah, so for for me, I picked Canyon Jerboa. It's just adorable. It's a little little rodent. He's just hanging out. I actually originally had Ruin Crab here, but I didn't think I could <laughs> put. You know, I didn't want to put the same answer for two different questions, and I I would much rather have a like a mouse than a than a crab. But yeah, I mean, we, you have the pet card category, and now we have uh, 
pet card part two. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it looks just like a, a little sugar glider, which I know you're Basically, a fan of. Yeah, in middle school, um, I wanted one so badly. And then I learned they pee I remember. on everything. They have, like, they have bladders that last like five minutes. <laughs> the more you know, I guess Canyon Jerboa, maybe there was another reason that that stampede was starting. <laughs> <laughs> My personal pick here, this is actually, I had a few options. I was thinking like the Scythe Cat is really cool. Um, there's some other like fun options, some cool beasts, maybe even what like a cool like nightmare beast or something. I actually went with something unconventional. I would go with Risen Riptide. I so, can kind of see why you would pick this, but but please explain to the listener why you would pick Risen Riptide as a pet. So for those that don't know, I'm a surfer. Uh, I've, I've, like Zach, grown up next to the ocean. I've surfed for pretty much my entire life. And the idea that I could have a like wave, ele- like a riptide elemental at my beck and call that I could just summon up out of the sewers and I could surf everywhere, like to anything. You need that to have would a kick spell incredible. around. Okay, I guess so, or else it wouldn't be very intimidating. It would just be a little uh, risen ripple, I guess. But I also, I'll say I watched Ponyo a little, like a week ago for the first time. Uh, For those that don't know, it's a a Ghibli film. It's amazing, beautiful, go watch it, it's gorgeous. But one of the characters in that has a bunch of little kind of like wave elementals that he can control and like send around to places. And I was like, hmm, that got me thinking. Like, it'd be pretty cool to have a, a wave elemental as a pet. Uh, his had little tiny eyes on them. The Riptide, I don't think does, but I'll take it. That sounds very Ghibli. Uh, my runner-up, realistically, like outside of Ruin Crab, was uh, Prowling Felidar. A card, the art on that card is phenomenal, mm. and the creature just looks really cool. So it'd be also very good at at like defending me if I ever needed it to. <laughs> I hear it's pretty vigilant. Yeah. <sighs> Next up is the Chaffee for cards you never cast, and we listed a whole bunch here. Do you want to just like pick a couple? Oh yeah, I added this category this time around because I was I was going through the spoiler. I noticed, wait a minute, there's a lot of just trash in here, but there's a lot of like good stuff too that I never got to cast. There's a, I think a few mythics that I never actually got to to play around with. Morag Fury of Akum, I never cast, uh, which is the uh, the mythic that gives you extra combat steps. I mean, it's a six drop mythic. I don't think it's actually that good, but and it shows up infrequently enough that it just never was in my pile. Uh, Forsaken Monument, that one I think we probably both haven't cast. That's the Correct. mythic, uh, like, uh, colorless Eldrazi throwback. Yasharn Implacable Earth, the the uh, green-white rare, which is surprising, uh, given that it's a big pig and I'm a fan of a big pig. Uh, mm-hmm. Kaza Royal Chaser, Omnath Locus of Creation. Some of these just are, are not really what you're going to be doing in, in limited. Coveted Prize. Uh, I will say I'm proud to announce that I have never cast Scale the Heights. Uh, <laughs> I've never put it in a deck, and I will keep it that way. And uh, finally, Wayward Guide Beast. I will never pay one mana for that little 2-2 monstrosity. Get that thing out of here. You're no goblin guide. Yeah, I, I haven't cast a Wayward Guide Beast either. Um, another, a couple of other cards. Omnath, uh, Tazri, Beacon of Unity, I never cast. Confounding Conundrum and Inscription of Insight, surprisingly. I've never been able to pick up hmm. the blue inscription. I'm sorry you never got to cast Tazri. I cast her for three mana once. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like something you would you would be doing. Oh, yeah. A little ally-esque nonsense <laughs> yeah i'm a fan of that next up is perhaps our most questionable question or or topic <laughs> i suppose the questionable category for our chaffee awards this is our would you rather topic and this one is very similar to the last one we did i'm not positive that it will always be this similar but they might we'll just they might they might it's kind of a running <laughs> it, it could be a running gag but our our chaffee award for would you rather eat broken glass or never draft Zendikar Rising again. Hmm. So on one hand, I'm banned from playing Zendikar Rising for the rest of my life. On the other hand, I eat broken glass shards, but I can still play Zendikar Rising. Right. Huh. Is it bad that I'm thinking about this? <laughs> no, see, I, th- I think that is actually a good sign that, that Zendikar Rising actually was an amazing draft format. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think without- I'd actually you know, I'd grab the salt, you know, like, give me, let's, let's get that glass down. Uh, I think it was that good as said. I, it, it really is worth drafting. Again, I'm looking forward to it leaving because I do want to take a bit of a break from it. It's been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, especially in pandemic time. It feels like it's been around for years. But yeah, I'm when you're drafting two or three times that. a week, it's like, whoa. How about two or three times a day? That too. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I probably fired over 200 Zeneca Rising drafts. Like, oh, wow. I, I, need a, I need a bit of a break. I don't think I hit, uh, I don't think I hit triple digits. I, I've played a lot of this format and it's it's still good. Like, I still like it. I'm ready to come back for more, but I want a nice little hiatus. Yeah, definitely. In the meantime, yeah. I guess uh, I got a crunchy snack in my future. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I actually think I would go for the glass here. Zendikar Rising was a fantastic format, and I think I'd be I think I'd be upset if I didn't get to ever do it again. I don't know if any format is so good that I'm like willing to physically hurt myself to play it again because like we've been getting so many good formats lately. But like there could be a time where we're in a drought and like Wizards is just putting out these crappy formats and all I want is Zendikar Rising back. I mean, so, saying that you're not willing, it sounds like you're just preparing your glass poorly. I'll send you a good recipe. I found. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Sounds like I need <laughs> to add it. more salt. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's anyway. it for our chaffies. We uh, we have a lot of fun with this. If you have any suggestions for, for other categories we should be giving chaffy awards for, please let us know in the Discord. That'll be great fun to, to chat about. Uh, but before we get going, we're going to wrap up a little bit on Zendikar Rising and then talk uh, briefly about Call Time, which is our next set coming up in just a couple of weeks. So, Ben, mm-hmm. final thoughts. I mean, this is just a fantastic limited set, right? The whole adventure flavor of Zendikar is uh, always fun for me. Uh, I love Zendikar as a plane. I think it's great. Landfall is uh, an all-timer mechanic, even though this set, this uh, set it didn't quite get there. I'm looking forward to next time and I'm letting them try it again, right? The way this set was designed with a balance of tribal and party, the multi-tribe, I've never seen anything like it in a magic set. It, it's, it's really cool. The only thing kind of similar to it is shapeshifters, uh, which we're actually going to be seeing in Kaldheim, apparently. So uh, I think it was executed just about perfectly. Like we said, there's a few annoyances in this set, but I mean, there's no Dream Trawlers, right? I don't think there's anything <laughs> egregious. It's one of my favorite re- like main set releases to play in a very long time. And uh, I look forward to getting back into it again sometime in the future and kind of rediscovering some of my favorite archetypes uh, maybe in a few months. Yeah, after a bunch of call time drafts, when this rotates back in on uh, on on premiere draft or something, I'll definitely be giving it a go. Um, I totally agree. It's It's a fantastic, incredible limited experience overall really between all the seamless synergies and the multitude of hidden decks that kind of cropped up in the middle of the, of the format, uh, which a lot of people didn't see coming like blue green wizards or like red white party is, is kind of a thing. Now there are all these other decks that popped up that really were hard to figure out until they started showing up. Um, also the, the way they were able to like mesh and Ben, you kind of touched on this, but the way they're able to mesh having heavy party synergies, there are a lot of cards that really, really care about you having part the full party or as large of a party as possible. But there are also still decks that only really care about an individual tribe. And the fact that they were able to make both of these things work really well is a big testament to the design team, because I don't think that's very trivial. And I think it was really nice to return to Zendikar. I didn't really pay too much attention to the story this time around, but this was the first time we've been on Zendikar without Eldrazi present, which was kind of interesting to to like see what the plane looks like by itself, because... We didn't really, I mean, we kind of, I guess the first Zendikar set ever was like that, but you know, it was Zendikar, then we had, not for uh, long. right. Yeah. We had, we had Rise of the Eldrazi in that, in that block and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to see it. I mean, it's still in turmoil. There's still all this random nonsense going around. It's not a very tame plane as it were, but it's, it's nice to see it without the Eldrazi present. Yeah, I would like to see some of the trap cards from the original Zendikar set yeah. make a return someday, but, uh, you know, maybe someday. All right, Kaldheim. Just a couple of short things to talk about here, but what are we looking forward to, Ben? What What are your top three things that you're excited for? We've seen a little bit of spoilers. We've had a few spoilers, some mm-hmm. some official, some not so official. Um, yeah. So we have a little bit of an idea of what's going on in the in the set. What is What are you looking forward to? So focusing right now on just the official spoilers, uh, Angel Tribal. I have always loved angels. Uh, and now often we see them in mono white, sometimes in red white. Uh, sometimes in green-white, but very rarely do we get black-white angels. And it seems like black-white angels is going to be an entire tribe in Limited. That's amazing. I'm super excited for that. Uh, I love playing angel cards, and I'm hoping to get some nice enablers uh, that angel as a tribe has been missing for a long time for Commander. Uh, and my second thing I'm looking forward to are the mechanics in Kaldheim. Just from the spoilers that we've gotten so far, uh, there's some pretty weird stuff on the horizon. We've seen that sagas are making a return. Uh, we've seen Fortell, uh, which I don't think we've had an official spoiler as to what exactly it does. We've no. seen several leaks that seem to imply what it does, so I'll, I'll refrain from mentioning that in case people don't want to hear it. And there's another... Actually, tell you what, if you do not want to hear uh, leaked information, I'm going to recommend that you turn the volume to zero for the next minute. All right, uh, minute starting now. Okay, so let's talk leaks, uh, because people are talking about it. It's sad and it's unfortunate that cards got leaked, which takes away from the content creators that we get to spoil them, but it's out there. We may as well chat. 
runes. What's going on with that? Runes is a subtype? Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like it's going to be something like arcane spells or or maybe uh, like the cartouches or something like that. But Yeah, very strange. And also, uh, I'm looking forward to see a resurgence of the story. Uh, Tybalt is up to something. And while we're talking spoilers of spoiled and leaked cards for a while, Phyrexians, are they coming? Are they not? Is that fake? Is it not? I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I'm, uh, uh, who knows? It seems I like hope be they a are. I really like we were just talking about it not too long ago that that they it'd be nice to see them come back and figure out what's been up with them. But I don't know. It seems a little fishy. They are, yeah, they, they are due for a return. Uh, we thought they might show up on Ixalan because of the I-Core. But uh, anyway, that's going to conclude our minute of uh, leaks talk uh, in two, one. All right, welcome back. It's been a minute. Uh, you didn't miss much. We just talked about some nonsense. Zach, what are you excited for in Kaldheim? So definitely the story. I like these sets that are tangential to like real world mythologies like Theros and hmm. uh, we had Amonkhet with kind of like the, the Egyptian mythology. I, I'm curious how they're going to handle taking Norse mythology into the magic universe. So I'm very, very interested to see how that all plays out. Don't know what the frick Tybalt's up to. So very interested in that. And of course, I'm always interested to see how they handle gods as cards because we've seen mm, a few yeah. iterations. I thought the first pass with the Theros gods, like the OG Theros gods were actually very well done. I, I really liked that whole like devotion sub theme and everything yeah and we've seen a few different iterations on the god subtype since then i'm curious how they're going to do it this time it looks like what's his name halvar i think was the official the official one that was has been leaked so far I think yeah it's that's him the flip and, guy yeah sword on one side yeah kind of okay four four on the other yeah so it's weird because you know one thing that i think is a little bit unique to norse mythology is that the gods in north norse mythology aren't actually gods really they're like kind of superhumans but they're really just a different they're like aliens they're just a different race of people basically um mm-hmm. so i i kind of like not seeing like indestructible and things like that on them as like a, a maybe maybe the, it will be on some of them but it's not on all of them at least because we've seen one that that has been officially spoiled and doesn't have that i'm curious how they're going to handle the mdfc thing across the board i imagine that's going to be the whole cycle of gods is going to have the mdfc thing going on um not sure how i feel about that i think it would have made more sense to me uh of course it's going to depend on how they're handling it from a story perspective but i think it would have made more sense to me to have those weapons be equipment that are like on their own because you know it's going to feel weird to have like the thor card and not be able to give him mjolnir right Mm, yeah i guess so i'm wondering now now that i'm thinking about it this is the first time we've seen uh I mean, we've seen plenty of flip cards before, but as for these DFCs where you get to choose which side it comes down on, that is the first iteration of it where it wasn't land on one of the sides, right? So I'm wondering if they might play with the design space of maybe that white one was uh, God on one side, uh, equipment on the other. Maybe some of them are going to be like God on one side, sorcery on the other, God on one side, uh, instant on the other, or God on one side, planeswalker on the other. Who knows? I, I agree, though, not having Indestructible, I think, will make for just better limited gameplay. I mean, the Scarab God, we know how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, and that didn't technically have Indestructible, but, I mean, it was pretty close. Um, better than Indestructible, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, and one thing, one thing actually, that you just you just made me think about, at least, was that they kind of, and this isn't going to be a huge impact on Limited, I don't imagine, because they're Mythics, but they get around the Legend rule with, with these, because you can yeah, play it as do. an equipment and then play it again as... Uh, as as the creature, so maybe maybe we'll see Thor getting equipped with Mjolnir. Yeah, who knows? Um, the second thing I'm interested in, well, obviously just seeing how they make sense of the gods. I think I kind of mentioned that, but also just the new mechanics in general are, are going to be cool. I like to see how they handle mechanics from a brand new plane because when we're returning to planes like Zendikar, you get a lot of repeats like landfall and things like that. There's yeah. always some kind of you know, like in Zendikar, there's always some kind of creature subtype matters. It used to be allies. We got party this time around. But I like seeing the new mechanics they come up with because it stretches design space. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Boast looks pretty cool. Kind of kind of interested to see that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a bunch of other archetypes or uh, sorry, mechanics that have been leaked but not spoiled. So I'll avoid talking about those. Um, but it sounds interesting. And I'm, I'm curious what the official the official set is going to have in it. But that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for spending your time with us chatting up Zendikar Rising. We're sad to see it go, but excited to get to a new format uh, for a few months and possibly draft it again in the future. Of course, if you're interested in chatting with us more on, on a more regular basis, just hop into the Discord. We're in there pretty frequently, as are a lot of our listeners. So definitely 
check that out uh, if you're interested. The link to that is in the episode description as well as our Twitter page. And of course, if you're interested in giving back to the show directly, check out our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. We'd really appreciate it if you just gave that a look. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, of course, the podcast will always be free for you. Don't worry about that kind of thing. But, um, you know, if you're interested in giving back to the show directly, that's the best place to do it. If you want to reach out to us on social media, you can do so on Twitter by tweeting to me at Rannick Alfredian or to Ben at Betafish1. You can tweet at the uh, podcast directly at DraftChaffPod or email us at DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. All right. So here's the thing. I, I think I'm actually going to start and finish our, uh, our sign off here with the way that I started our conversation when I called you earlier today. Uh, the U.S. is having quite a doozy of a day, aren't we? Like this is yeah. a history book kind of day. Yes. Um, for those that might not be aware, who knows how this situation will progress by the time this podcast releases. But uh, as of right now, there's still people protesting and invading the, uh, the Capitol building here in the United States. And apparently that hasn't happened since the British did it. <laughs> so that's well, you know, uh, when we were at war. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. Maybe by the time this podcast has come out, uh, the whole thing will have been cleared and resolved. Maybe it will have gotten better, gotten worse. No idea, but it's developing as we are sitting here recording. So um, I think, you know, the situation likely will have developed a bit. But uh, just kind of to reiterate what we've said sometimes before on this podcast, just be good to everyone and each other and uh, educate yourself and the people around you and try to be a productive member of society that leads to uh, happier and healthier lives for people around you. And then the second thing that we initially, uh, we, 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 we talked about that on our call for a bit. And then the second thing we got into was the fact that the cube is done. Yeah. The draft it's, shaft it's cube done. is complete. We well, did it, man. We made a cube. <laughs> it's, it's like everything I say about like my computer setup, my desk and everything. It's done for now <laughs> we have a new set coming out in like three weeks so you know things might change but version one is is complete and in the books that's true it is and it is cool man <laughs> this this it's set deep. looks awesome i'm very excited uh, there are things that you can do in this format that are just absurd and to to catalog those uh we have an achievement list and I think to, to kind of highlight some of the things that you can do in here, I want to read off a few of my favorite achievements to maybe hook some of the listeners into uh, wanting to check out this cube. Shoot, go for it. So uh, some of my, my favorite personal... Now just remember, this is a cube cons consisting entirely of draft chaff. Cards right. that are not worth anything that you'd expect to find on a table post-draft. Cards that are not really seen play anywhere. They don't do anything. They're all under... I don't know. I think we got... Pretty much, like probably ninety nine percent of the cards are under forty cents, right? Yeah, we we tried to average under thirty cents uh, per card. Yeah, so let's just see um, some of our our favorite here. Uh, uh, it lives. Kill an opponent with an animated key rune. Uh, I recommend looking up the key runes if you're unfamiliar. Uh, overdraft. Use a sign in blood to deal lethal damage to an opponent. Uh, bold move. Attack Cargan Intimidator into multiple cowards. There are and, no actual cowards in the in the, the cube, so do some mental math to try to figure <laughs> out how you're going to make that one happen. Yeah. And uh, I think, honestly, potentially my favorite, uh, Crisis Averted. Counter or exile a bearer of the heavens. <laughs> and if you don't know a bearer of the heavens, oh man. That yeah. one's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be something. super sweet. We're hoping to test, probably. We've been saying that the last couple of episodes, but I think now that the cube's actually done, we're going to be able to try to get some some pods together and give it a whirl. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see what kind of nonsense this leads to. Also, this cube, uh, I crunched the number, costs like 60 bucks. Yeah, the whole thing. 360 cards, the full cube, 60 bucks, 70 bucks, somewhere around there, maybe after shipping and such. It's a cheap one, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, we didn't pull punches on the excitement level, I'll say, for, for this cube. So 